We will now hear six quick fire presentations followed by a discussant and reflections by Mark himself and will then open to Q&A. So our first uh, presenter and speaker is Prabhu Pingali. <coughs> He's a director at the Tata Cornell Institute for Agriculture and Nutrition at Cornell University. His title is From Stable Crop Fundamentalism to Nourishing South Asia's People. What do we need to do differently? <coughs> Unfortunately, his flight last night was canceled due to high winds. But as an old hand in both agriculture economics and travel tribulations, he immediately found a solution and sent us a five-minute video that captures what he wanted to say in person. And he also sent the following words. I am sorry that due to travel disruptions, I cannot be with you today. Mark has been a colleague and close friend for the past three decades, and I was really looking forward to honoring him today. Mark and I started our collaborations in the mid-1980s, when we were both young economists. Mark used to be a regular visitor to Erie, and we worked together on several projects. In our 1995 food policy paper on agriculture commercialization, <clears throat> we anticipated a rapid movement from rice monoculture systems to a diversified food system across all of Asia. When I reflect back on that paper, I think we were a bit too optimistic about the speed with which Asia would diversify its production systems. The slow supply responsiveness to the rising demand for diversity has been a puzzle. I now believe that the explanation lies with stable crop fundamentalism in agricultural policy that has slowed the transition to a more commercialized and diversified agricultural system in Asia. Mark, I wish you all the best and hope to catch up with you the next time I'm in DC. So please welcome everyone to uh, Prabhu's uh, video that Kartala uh, will start for us now. Thank you. Good afternoon. This is Prabhu Pingali. I'm a professor of agricultural economics at Cornell University. And today I'm in a little town called Gorakhpur in Uttar Pradesh. It's in the middle of the Indo-Gangetic Plains, the big river delta area in South Asia. Uh, as you can see behind me, you've got miles and miles of wheat growing. And if you come back in August, you'll see miles and miles of rice growing in this area. This area is one of the success stories of the Green Revolution. In the 1960s, before the Green Revolution, this area had very low yielding one crop of rice. And today you can see you have a crop of rice followed by a crop of wheat, and each of these crops giving anywhere between three to five tons. So as a result, you've seen dramatic transformation of agriculture in this region and you've seen dramatic transformation in the lives of poor farmers in this area. Not only in terms of getting enough food to eat, especially in calorie terms, but also improved incomes, improved schooling, improved health, and all of those structural changes that come with growth in agriculture productivity. However, 50 years after the Green Revolution started, we still see some persistent problems in these historic Green Revolution areas. Problems of persistent malnutrition, problems of rural poverty, and problems of not having adequate balance in the diets 
of uh, the middle class and also of the poor populations. Diets which still continue to be very much focused on staple grains. And, and there are several reasons why we haven't seen increased diversity in the food system. In, in South Asia, especially in these areas where the Green Revolution took place. One of the primary reasons is the way agriculture policy is still very focused on staple grains. This staple grain fundamentalism is pervasive in agriculture policy across the region and certainly across the developing world where staple grains are given much higher weightage in overall agriculture policy relative to all other commodities, all other crops and livestock products. So what should we do? What should we do to make a change? I think one of the most fundamental changes that have to be made is to create an agriculture policy that's crop neutral. Giving farmers the incentive to increase production but letting farmers choose what crop they want to grow based on market signals and based on the best productive use of their land. And that holds for livestock production also. I think that's a big change. We would also want to see changes in investments in research and development. Much of the research and development today is focused on the big three crops, rice, wheat and maize. We want to see us ourselves looking at a broader set of commodities for research and development, looking at more nutritious crops, uh, millets and traditional tubers, etc., but also vegetables and fruit and livestock products. R&D for these commodities has historically been low and it's time to ramp up that R&D. At the same time, we want to increase uh, investments in connecting smallholders to markets markets for perishable products, um, rural markets where investments are made in road infrastructure to connect farmers to markets, in better sheds and storage facilities and cold stores and transport systems for taking uh, perishable products from rural markets to urban markets. Building up those value chains is a big part of the change that needs to happen and reducing transactions costs for smallholders to participate in, the, uh, participate in these markets is a big change that needs to happen. I think the time is ripe right now to make the transition from a staple grain focused agriculture system to an agriculture system that promotes diversity, that promotes nutrition and that promotes increased wealth and growth and income through diversity in high-value crop production. That's the future that I think South Asia needs, and it's definitely a future that countries like India need.